welcome back. You are listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I am here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Darren Elwine. He is a principal at Harrisburg South Middle School in Harrisburg, South Dakota. The National Association of Secondary School Principals, NASSP, awarded him the title Digital Principal of the Year in 2017. His vision is to transform traditional education by empowering learners and leveraging technology. South Middle School has a personalized learning model that allows learners to create their schedule daily based on facilitator offer. Darren has created two design thinking courses, the first being Idea Foundry. It uses the design process to create a better school environment and solve daily problems. The second course, called Impact, focuses on the United Nations global goals and creates opportunities to solve the world issues like hunger and poverty. He believes that kids should be empowered in their learning. Darren is also a co-author with Derek McCoy and their book, The Revolution. It was released in early 2019 through Dave Burgess Counseling Incorporated. He is also a speaker and keynotes on changes needed in education. His travels has taken him as far as Bergen, Norway as a speaker. Welcome, Darren. Thanks, Darren, for being here. My pleasure. Hi, Darren. Um, Thank you once again for, for being here. I don't know if you know, but Malia and I created created this podcast to highlight educators and students who, who provide a who provide stim, stimulating curriculum. Um, before we get into this, so we were looking over your bio, and you and you stated that you wish to quote transform traditional education by empowering learners and leveraging technology, unquote. Can you tell us what that means? Uh, it's it's kind of like where to start. I think for me, my um, you know my journey into into using technology to really help kids because it really everything we do is about kids to help them understand content better to be able to create projects more efficiently and effectively. Um, I just I realized early on that technology has that capability. Um, my whole frame of where I see education right now. Because we're even though we're in South Dakota, uh, we are living this in the in the here and now. Is that we we are really using technology f- for our kids to be able to create content that's unique, it's authentic, um, it's also related to being able to put themselves out on the world stage too. Uh, because a part of um, you know getting the Digital Principal Award from a couple years ago was all on how we how we use technology to advance education. Um, the only problem is there's not many people that are grabbing hold of that. So it can feel like you're on an island at times, but the things that our kids are doing have really been phenomenal over the last couple of years. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of those things that uh, your kids are doing? We got into the maker movement pretty early. So it's probably about five years ago. So our maker space, I would put it up against anyone in the Midwest. Um, so within our makerspace, it's got the simple items that are absolutely free, like cardboard. You can get PVC pipe from, you know, local uh, plumbing companies here will donate. But it's really a chance for kids to come into our library space, uh, which is not quiet. Uh, but they come in and they just they create. And we use the design thinking process from Stanford, which myself and a few of our staff we were there. Uh, I think it's probably four years ago now, we went through their workshop for a weekend and we, we really apply the design thinking process. So kids have a plan, but
but then they just they create things at first it's creating things that are just they're passionate about but really my goal now is to take that design process in our maker space and infuse it into the curriculum so if they're working on something related to science and and maybe it's the solar system well how can we take our sphero sparks and how can we code them to actually do the trajectory of each of the nine planets uh, they might paper mache them which we actually did this year paper take a paper mache model put the sphero inside of it um, and how can they can they create the the code where they actually drew the trajectory around what we just kind of put in the middle of our makerspace as a physical sun awesome so wait so the uh, makerspace or the lab that uh did that sort of happen organically or was that done deliberately and the supplies for that you said you get people to donate and whatnot so is it sort of becoming like a recycling yard or is it really deliberate in the way that you acquire things for that space yeah so to tackle the first question uh it, we were very deliberate in creating the space and i'm i was i'm pretty active on twitter and so I started noticing there was a gal, gal in New Jersey. Um, her name is Laura Fleming, and she was starting the makerspace movement. Um, and really, we just we caught hold of that right away because I want a couple things from kids that leave my building. I don't, even though they're 11 through 14 year olds, I think that age is uh, forgotten a lot of times and their capability to really create some amazing, amazing products. Mm -hmm. um, but we wanted them to be makers and we wanted them to have a lot of voice and choice in what they do. And those are really a couple of the cornerstones that we have within the building. And when you, and where do we get the material? I mean, uh, yes, it's donated. We have cardboard in the building, so that's easy for us to get to. Um, but also we just, we do a lot of friend raising um, it's really partnering with, like that. with people, with people <laughs> in the community. Um, we have a cabinet, uh, building company that's just down the road from me. Um, I can get four by eight sheets of some beautiful maple, uh, plywood just whenever I need it. I just give them a call. Um, but there's just, there's a lot of pieces that have gone to this. We don't call it recycling. Mm -hmm. We call it repurposing. Yeah. Uh, because two years ago, our district for some reason they were getting rid of all the automated hand towel dispensers and instead of throwing them out which they were going to do we said send them all to us so we had like over a hundred hand towel dispensers <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't look pretty i'll yeah. be honest yeah. yeah um but we always tell people learning is messy and mm -hmm. learning is noisy a lot of times but what the kids have created from those hand towel dispensers for example, we're big into the drone movement. I, I run Drone Club on Friday mornings. Fun. The, I just asked the kids, I said, where do you want to store these? Because we have rolling and jumping drones. We have flying drones. And they said, well, can we take the guts out of these hand towel dispensers? And I said, absolutely. So I had, these are three sixth grade girls. Uh, they ripped apart the insides. And now that we, it's like a clamshell. That's where they store them. But then we, we repurpose the parts out of it all the time. I just found out we have a seventh grade boy. He created a, a car out of cardboard. So that's, the, that's the, the body of it. He took wheels that came from some old RC cars that we had just laying around. And inside of it, he had a motor that would run with connects Wow. And, it, and would drive the back, he would, the, uh, the uh, back axle of the car 
using connects but that motor came from one of those hand towel dispensers wow so like some connects hand towel horsepower in that vehicle yes <laughs> yeah and so and that's just one example of where our our kids if you put it in front of kids they're going to figure out what to do with it and how to use it yeah so so this um makerspace has it become part of the curriculum or is it more of an extracurricular uh, it is extracurricular, but my job, I've seen it over the last four years, is to try to figure out how do we move it into the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I love. I love making connections and not just with people, um, obviously, like knowing Fred and then knowing our friends in Norway. But I love making connections with content and what we have here. And so I just, if I see something, like with the idea of using the spheros and creating um, you know, coding them to be able to do the trajectory of the planets. Um, it's ELA, it's social studies. Um, Correct. Just any way I try to take what we have here and put it in there. So do some of your teachers use that space for part of their curriculum, like bu like building off of maybe some STEM activities and things like that? Yes, they do. And STEM is the other part that's a part of our makerspace. Um, but yeah, I, I bring them in here actually and we kind of use the design process and just we, we ideate, which is my favorite tile. Um, we just ideate, what can you do with this? I might throw some PVC pipes, some hula hoops and some connects on a table and say, how could you use this in something you're gonna teach at some point? Um, and really they can think of the ideas too, but uh, I, I'm always telling people, you know, think of ideas, but stop yourself at some point because you don't want to create the wheel that the kids need to run. And I really want the kids to be able to take that to the next step. And, and Darren, um, you, you were bringing up some, some very good points and, and in the information in which we were, we were reading about you, you were, you were talking about how you personalize learning based on facilitator offerings. Now, now does that mean that, that if you hired me, if, if you would hire me as as like one of your one of your teachers, um, and I you know and I wanted to teach about diving in in South Dakota, um, then does that mean I would re I would be out there and re and recruit kids in order to come into my class if I'm going to be teaching diving with um, technology? Um, well, yes, if you can fit it to a standard, um, that that's the critical piece. But um, it, it, uh, you're talking about a, a style of voice and choice that's probably more project-based learning. Um, I'm guessing I would hire you as a science teacher uh, or social studies. But if you're talking scuba, you're a science teacher. And yes, that definitely could be a part of the curriculum and what takes place. For example, I have, uh, I have one eighth grader who's he's a really great hockey player. And he, he practices at like six in the morning, gets here to school. Matter of fact, I just saw him uh, this morning when I was greeting him outside. But we have a plan that when we hit physics within our eighth grade curriculum, within our personalized learning environment, uh, we're gonna go to the iceplex oh, and nice. we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna work on physics. And so that's just one example of just how we try to give voice and choice to kids and figure out what are they passionate about. But really, the personalized learning, what it looks like, and I'll go to our, our youngest grade level, which is sixth grade. We have 11 and 12-year-olds that there's 90 of them. We've capped it. They're in one room all together. 
in the morning, right away at eight o'clock. And then what they do is they see a Google slide that has our four main content areas. So social studies, science, ELA, English language arts, and then math. Those facilitators that have those core subjects, they have offerings for the kids to look at, but those offerings aren't all the same. So if I was teaching about Egypt, I'm just not going to do a seminar on Egypt, you know, all six sessions. I'm going to vary it because I know I have kids, which we call them learners, not students. I have learners in all different places and I want to meet their needs. And so what the kids do, they, they hear, like I get up front and I present, here are my offerings for today. Check it out. If you think this is where you're at in your learning after they hear all four facilitators, they open up their iPad and they create their schedule for the day. So we don't give them a physical schedule. They have a physical schedule that says, hey, you're blocked this part of the day to be able to um, have those four content area classes, but they get to choose when they're learning it and what they're learning. So this is every day? Yes. And That's so amazing. do they have like a, a goal or like a scorecard or something like that where they're supposed to achieve or engage in so many of these activities or levels of activities or I guess content areas? Yes. Well, they know initially. So if you're a sixth grader, you know, initially that you need to, you need to take each of those core content classes each day. So you can't skip out on social studies, Mm -hmm. but over time we have like right now we are, our math kids in sixth grade are just killing it. Well, there's half of that 90 are actually ahead of pace of everyone else. So some of those kids actually, if they wanted to, and they, let's say they were struggling with ELA and getting their argumentative essay done and, and, and doing citing and claims for evidence, if they needed to go to that class for two periods on uh, tomorrow, Thursday, they could do that. They just need to say, Hey, Mr. Donnelly, can I skip math tomorrow so I can spend more time with Mrs. Long and ELA? And that's a part of uh, this whole program is based on them advocating for themselves. And we encourage them to really advocate and make those decisions and ask the adults if that's something that they can do. Those are really transferable skills that they need Correct. much later in life. Exactly. Now, now, how how would this transfer once they once they go to high school? Well, high school has a, sort of a similar program. It's probably more based on pacing at our high school. So we have different tracks of learning. So when they go to high school, they can do what's called customized learning, which is similar to our personalized. They can do a traditional set of learning. We also have advanced programming AP. Okay. Oh, awesome. You mentioned yep. the Iceplex, and I'm not sure what that is. Can you tell me about that? Well, in South Dakota, it's colder than it is in California. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we, it, it's a it's a big ice rink that's uh, you know housed within a, a big building. So that's that's okay. the ice. Place. Well, okay. So I am from Wisconsin, so I do know about ice, but I have forgotten because I lived here now. So yeah. Um, Darren, uh, can you? Can you share with with us and and our audience about your thinking courses, the the idea, foundry, and and impact? Um, how do these come about? What are they, and how and how are they implemented? Right. So this is our taking our design thinking that we did at Stanford and actually 
making it uh, applicable for our kids. So a couple years ago, our district is growing really quickly. Um, so for example, our district, for the average, we gain about 300 to 400 kids a year within our district. So if you think of South Dakota as a place, um, which I'm sure there's a lot of uh, perceptions out there, but if you if you think of South Dakota as a place where, you know, guy, you know, it's just everything's very conservative, which it is in a lot of cases, but there's just really no growth. That's definitely not the case around Sioux Falls. Um, we are we're growing very rapidly in my area, but my group of sixth graders that came in a couple of years ago, they. We didn't have enough encore offerings, which are really kind of electives for them, exploratories, because the class sizes would have been too big. So I've always was looking for a way that I could create a course that's based on design thinking. So I created a course with, uh, her, her name is Carla Didi. Um, it's called Idea Foundry, and it's based on the kids finding something they're passionate about or a butterfly effect where they can make a difference in the world. And they have to go through the design process and create that. So usually what I do, and every sixth grader goes through this, um, what I do is I come in as the principal and I say, you know, as your principal, I'm not pretending that we have the perfect school. So I need you to tell, find one thing that you know needs to be improved and that's gonna be your project for a week. And so we get them acclimated with the design tiles, but then after that week, they then have five weeks to find something they're just passionate about they dig into it and then they create a uh, kind of a project presentation at the end. Wow. Which That's we've had some pretty amazing ones. Can you, can you share a couple of them? One is uh, we had a couple boys, they couldn't figure out what to do. Now you've maybe have heard of genius hour projects. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of similar to that, but with these, we've never had a case where kids can't come up with a passion or something to work on. We've had 100% they find something. Uh, but we had a couple boys, they couldn't think of anything, and then all of a sudden their passion was football. Well, they created a helmet that inside would be a sensor, which this isn't anything new. There's sensors out there that detect concussions, but they did it using little bits, which, which is in the STEM world. They created it with little bits, but they said their sensor was going to be attached to an app that trainers would have on the sideline. And if the impact was hard enough, uh, then it would alert the, the app or notify the trainer that they needed to stop play. And then they would go out there and they would set, assess the football player. When we presented it to, um, we, have, we have our Sanford Medical Group in our area, and they do a lot of sports medicine. When we had a sports medicine doctor or professional come in and listen to the presentation, he said, we have sensors in helmets, but we don't have, this is like next generation, what mm. these two have created. Yay. Uh, there's, a, there's another one where, you know, hunting is very big in South Dakota. <clears throat> I had a group of three boys that they contacted Game Fish and Parks Rangers in, I think it was about 30 counties in South Dakota. Wow. And what they did is they figured out exactly what their trajectory was of their scope of where they covered. Um, and they figured out where the holds were in South Dakota, where people could maybe get away with poaching. Oh, wow. So anyway, um, that's a couple of, yeah. Um, wow. So thinking about your pedagogical strategies here at your school, and it's really more of a philosophy, 
how do you see a teacher who wants to incorporate this type of learning in their classroom paring it down to maybe their classroom level or maybe their grade level do you think that that's possible or do you think it really has to be a total buy-in with the school uh, no, I think it's, it's, you're talking the design process and could a teacher adopt it? Yeah. Yes, you, you definitely could. I mean, you could add it. Let's go back to science, for example. If you're working on something to stop plastic pollution, you absolutely can take those kids through the design process to figure out how they could solve a specific problem in that world. But like also you were talking about the voice and choice and then having allowing students to plan their schedule throughout the day. In that way, do you think that that's something as well that teachers could implement? Yes, yeah, definitely could. And we've even had cases where um, kids have created offerings for their peers. Um, and I could definitely see that could be a case where, you know, a kid would create an offering of, you know, come to my offering if you want to learn about the design process and what we're doing in social studies right now, because I'm going to combine both of those together. Uh, we had a couple of uh, last year or two years ago, we had a boy that was just really into turtles. He um, just he, herbatologist. I mean, he was incredible. <laughs> and he led several offerings for kids on a certain species of turtle that is fluorescent on its shell. Hmm. Um, and it was just and that's the goal for me is I, I want more of those cases to yeah. take place where the kids are really I mean, they're creating that lesson. And we help them do that because there's no, it's, it's hard for a 12 year old to think of a concept of a lesson for 30 minutes, right. 40 minutes. Um, but that is a great goal for us. Um, so, so Darren, um, I hope I don't put you on the, on the spot or, 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 or anything, but it seems obvious why you were named the NASSP digital principal of the year for 2017. Um, just because of everything that you're that you're doing, um, seems seems like you're interacting with your with your faculty, staff, kids. Um, was there was there a teacher that you had um, growing growing up that 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 kind of taught in this in, in this type of way or or inspired you um, in, in order to kind of be this free thinking type of administrator? Uh, you know, I can't, I can't place anyone. I think we all have those people that were just really special to us when we were younger. Um, you know, those special teachers that made an impact, but I can't think of one that took me to the point where I am today. Um, I mean, when I first started, uh, I mean, my graduating class here in South Dakota was 18 kids. Hmm. So I went from a class of 18 and I went to the university of Minnesota, which was 10,000 in the freshman class. <laughs> Wow. It was a culture shock, but I was pre-pharmacy. I then transferred wow. back to South Dakota, and it was still pre-pharmacy, but all of a sudden I took a job at an elementary here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and all of a sudden I just I fell in love with relationships with kids. Wow. And, I, and I realized I was having an impact just doing playground and cleaning the lunchroom. That was my job. Um, I was just creating these relationships that for me just kind of kind of sparked this aha moment of, you know, maybe you want to think about changing your direction. Um, and that's and even through that process, I think I've always had just kind of a, an idea of how can I take what's the current vibe for kids 
and how can we incorporate that into what they need to do for for a product, for a mastery, for an artifact? Then, then can you can you talk about that then, Pete? Because um, one of the things that that a lot of my uh, master's candidates who are all the teachers, they often ask me, um, why don't you get back into, into teaching? Um, since you're always talking about your high school students, blah, blah, blah. Um, how, how did you go from the classroom then into, into administration and why? I think a lot of it was just greater influence. Um, I mean, I loved what I was doing. I was teaching sixth and eighth grade social studies. I love teaching ancient history, but I started to realize if I wanted a larger, create a, a larger vision with a group of people, that's the yeah. direction I needed to go. Um, and I didn't even realize so much where I could go until I left my previous school and I came here to Harrisburg where I had a superintendent that was um, very old school in a lot of ways, but he gave me a lot of flexibility to try personalized learning, to, to try, try design thinking. Good. Good. to connect with schools around the world and create these projects uh, cooperatively um, and how you can leverage technology to do that. So conversely to becoming a teacher and then into a principal, when you were a teacher, were, was your philosophy the same? Design thinking, project-based, empowering the learner? Or was that something that slowly evolved or you went to a conference or you saw a teacher who was teaching in that way and you were just inspired to change it? You know, I didn't have as much voice and choice with the kids I taught because I, did, I didn't know about that much. Because when you go through your teacher training and both you probably, you know this, uh, universities, you, you're, you're siloed. There's certain things you have to study. There's certain things Correct. you have to do. I always call it, you have to jump through some hoops um, and I didn't, you know, I did, I didn't know the design process at that time either when I was teaching. Uh, but I did, like I mentioned earlier, I was always really very highly tuned into what was the current vibe for the culture for kids. And I always tried to find ways to incorporate that into history. Um, and that's what I expressed to my staff today. It's, uh, you know, I even write it in my observations at times with staff where I'll say, it seems like you, you, you're catching the current vibe, vibe of the kids in your room at this time. And I think that really what that does, everything that we do, and if anything else, when people listen to this, uh, the most important thing, though, is relationships. Yeah. And I think a current vibe continues to build on that relationship. Because for us here at South, uh, South Middle School, um, I don't, I don't like mission statements. I don't like um, vision statements. I think people, they forget them and they don't realize, they don't understand or, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's over the top of your head at times. Yeah. If the people use language that makes no sense. We took <clears throat> the time before we had kids four or five years ago. I used that time and instead of talking about policy and handbooks, I said, okay, all we're doing for the next hour and a half is we're gonna figure out what's our purpose as a school. And we have to decide this collectively together. And today we call that our collective purpose. And it in the end, after about 45 minutes of haggling and going back and forth, someone finally said, we're about relationships. And now everything we do, if we add a new program, a new concept, a new idea, it has to fit relationships. And that relationships isn't just with kids. 
I think my primary job, especially over the last two years, is I have to I have to build relationships adult to adult in the building. Because if the adults don't enjoy what they do and feel like that they have a purpose themselves, um, it, it transfers directly to the kids in the building. Um, so you, Dan, sorry, I just want to backtrack a little bit. So you say current vibe, I've heard you say this a few times, and I just kind of want to get a bit of, more of a definitive definition of what you mean by that. And I, I, we're hearing you talk about relationships, but can you maybe put into a little bit more uh, words of what you mean when you say capturing your students' current vibe? Snapchat. So okay, so it, using the tools that they're using and and like right. if they're into what's the new game right now that they're all into, the video game that the, well, the it's, not, it's not Fortnite anymore. That changed probably about four months ago. It's a different kind of game similar to Fortnite. All right, all right, or like TikTok <laughs> is the other app, right? Yes. Um, okay, okay, I like that. That's that's good because you you we talk about it with my students too in our tech classes about using the tools that your students are already using. Find a way to sneak some educational ways um, to implement that. Um, and Malia, I know that the question is going to come probably from people who are thinking, well, what about parents? Because parents don't mm -hmm. like social media or right. they're scared of it. My opinion is <clears throat> if we can find a way for kids to understand how to use it appropriately, yeah. because parents typically are giving kids a, a phone yep, without right. telling them or teaching them how to use it best. And if that's another thing schools need to do, then that's what we need to do. But TikTok, I mean, there are so many super cool things that you could do educationally with TikTok and let the kids tell us how, how it is. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, the buy-in from kids on how to use it would just be, would just be, I mean, yeah. skyrocket. Yeah, and that's something that we always tell our students too is you don't have to be an expert in that tool. All you have to do is show interest. And they'll teach you mm -hmm. how to use it. Your job is to find how to find those educational ways. But, you know, like you mentioned, the parents and with their aversion to social media, they're doing it anyway. So, like you said, we might as well have a little bit of a hand in it and show them how to be responsible digital citizens and um, go from there. Awesome. Um, Darren, we're, we're, you were talking about faculty, and, and I'm and faculty with with regards to everything that that you're doing and what they're doing um what what type of faculty member are you are you looking for Ooh, that's a nice question um they, because there there are specific people we're looking for Correct. um right. you know I'll, i definitely like diverse people and i'm not just talking skin color i'm talking personality um i i even like people that are a little quirky um <laughs> because yeah, I've been middle school my whole life, as far as educationally, and, and kid and middle school kids are quirky. <laughs> uh, you know, I need, I need, I need. I call them kids now. I'm to that stage in my life, I guess. But people I hire, they need to be highly relational. Mm. They need to be very flexible, uh, because like we don't have bells in our school. Um, because I have so many different schedules because within like those personalized learning cohorts, they're creating their own time that they need. Um, so I don't have bells. You need to be flexible. You, you need to have a growth mindset. Um, I, I need people, not that you're pie in the sky, overly positive. I just need people that when things get hard, you're going to react in a way 
that's uh, that's thinking up and not down. Um, we like we call them grinders. We like people that are grinders that really put in a lot of effort, but not to the expense of a family. Um, we set clear expectations on that. Um, we just uh, you know we want people that like having fun. Um, I'm my personality typically is is very uh, probably more of an introvert than anything else. But when you get me in certain scenarios, I mean, I want to see out of people just what what does the extrovert look like um, and just, you know, being themselves, bringing in their passions into what they're doing professionally, too. So what do you do as a principal to cultivate these qualities in your teachers and help build those relationships between teacher to teacher and and with you as the principal? Well, uh, one, I have specific questions, first of all, uh, that are tailored to finding this in the interview process. Um, but when I have people here on board, you know, uh, we, like at the beginning of the year, we do ropes courses together. Um, I find ways where we understand how we can build community. Um, I host at my house before the year starts. Uh, something very simple. Um, a couple years ago, I created, they call themselves Culture Club. Um, I've heard it, you know, people call them the, the social society, you know, other schools might have it, but I have a specific group, uh, per grade level, one person that all we do is we plan events to build culture in and out of school. Like for example, we have a roaring twenties to kick in 2020, um, murder mystery that we're going to do in January. Um, we, um, you know, there might be some days where. I can just tell the mood is just, it's a tough Friday and I'll just, I'll head out and I'll buy a bunch of breakfast pizzas. Um, It's simple, it's simple things and it's things that are very planned out as well. Um, And I I think a lot of it too is, I I am not a fan. I don't know if you have to do 360 evaluations. In other words, uh, it's anonymous feedback from people on how you're doing. I, I think those are ridiculous because that allows people to hide behind uh, a wall. Correct. Um, and so what we've started this year is I'm doing more one-on-one conversations with people on a quarterly basis and asking questions like, what's one thing I am not currently doing that I need to do more of? And we tell people, it needs you to be honest. Like if someone comes to me and says, <clears throat> you know, I heard someone was talking and this is how they're feeling i'll tell people i need to hear it from the person i know you're you're trying to be you're trying to give me information but we need to talk to each other as adults it seems like in education people hide behind other people more often than maybe other places so we're just trying to really create a culture that's open where people talk to each other yeah and you eliminate a lot of the drama if you had it like nip it in the bud right away and take it head on rather than wait for it to come out to give your feedback on an anonymous survey. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's a good way um, to, to develop some healthy uh, relationships within your community. I like that. Um, yeah, I, I like that because I think a lot of teachers um, are, are yearning for that, at, at, least, at least from a lot of the master's candidates that I've, that I've been teaching. Um, all of these are, you know, full-time K K twelve teachers, and and one of the things that that they keep talking about um, when I when I just ask them one on one, what are what are some of the things that you 
that you really miss about um, or that you would like to add at your school. Relationship building with with administrators is is always one of those top things. So, um, so I, th- I think you're doing something great. Can you tell us about your book, um, Revolution, which you co-authored with Derek? Um, how did this come about? What type of responses are you are you hearing? Um, well, the book started when Derek, myself, and then two other administrators, one was from Philly, one was from Texas, we were going to do a presentation at the national conference uh, for secondary school principals. <clears throat> and after we were done with the video call, um, Derek got my number and he called and said, hey, um, have you ever thought about doing a book? And I had had several people at that time just have me do like little excerpts within their book talking about something that my school is doing so I thought it was that and I said oh yeah you know do you want me to do like uh, 400 words on design thinking or he goes he goes he goes no man he goes I, I, I'm telling you I, I want to do a book with you and so we started that process and at first it was just middle school um, I don't know if you are familiar with Dave Burgess publishing in San Diego yeah. <clears throat> but um, we pitched the manuscript to Dave Burgess. Um, he took it. And after that point, I mean, the process of writing it, it's really, it's all based on empowering kids to make more decisions. Uh, because why as adults are we making all these decisions? Because we're here for the kids. So we need to make sure that we're listening to them more. And the things that I've been talking to you about, to you and Malia here for you know the past few minutes, all those things are in the book. And we just wanted something with the book. We consider it the revolution because even though I'm living this right now, I, I'm kind of like the frog in the in the pot of water that's you turn it up to boil. <laughs> I think everyone's doing this. And then I realize this is there's not many people that are doing it. And yeah. so that's what we call the revolution. The response has been has been good. Um, we're not established authors, so it's not like um, I'm not quitting my day job. Let's put it that way. Um, you didn't make your but, first billion on it yet. Nope, not yet. Um, but the, but the reviews on reviews on Amazon have been really good from people. Oh, good, good. Is it um, a teacher, um, like a teacher kind of quick read, or more of like an inspirational um, type book to? get them to be teaching in a design thinking kind of a way? Yeah, it's philosophical in some places. Uh, There's leadership within it, but it's very practical for people to understand how could I do design thinking? How could I possibly do some personalized learning or get more voice and choice? Uh, Learning spaces is probably my favorite chapter because I love the design of a space and how a space can look differently for kids so that they're more comfortable within the space. So it feels like it's theirs. So that's probably a good spot for teachers to start if they're thinking about this type of philosophy or pedagogy in their classroom is to start with your book. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and and you have two professors of education here that could tell powers that be within our universities that, hey, here's a book that we should be picking up. Well, I think I'll tell my students to pick it up. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Darren, you were talking about... um, student-led learning um can you can you tell us about the about the two groups that you took to um honduras 
Um, naturally, I already know how how this how this came about, but but our but our audience may not know. Can you talk about that? But but mainly, um, what what type of impact did this did those trips have have on your um, on your on your own students? Um, <clears throat> it had so much of an impact. Um, I wish I could convince my parents to send more than just you know eight to ten kids at a time. Um, <clears throat> because it, it, I think it's similar to like maybe mission trips you might take. You need to get away from your your comfort zone, your comfort area to really appreciate what's going on in the world. Um, I think what they're bringing back with them is just an experience that no other kid in the United States can say that they've done. I don't know how you can put it in words. Um, the things that you're we're able to do when we're there, um, it's just... I mean, besides being able to snorkel and see a tropical climate, uh, I mean, to be able to work with the ecosystem there, to see uh, an iguana that's only found uh, on that island nowhere else in the world, and our kids are able to hold it, measure it, um, weigh it, and then put um, a, a, you know, a tracking uh, device inside of it. Um, it. It's just, the experience is just amazing. Um, I think a part of it too is also the tie-in, uh, is just, you know, plugging what Fred does with his nonprofit. Really the basis too is <clears throat> how can we raise awareness for plastic pollution? I think this last time we went, we did more beach cleanups than the yeah. previous time. And for kids to have their eyes open to, Hey, you know what, even in South Dakota, what I'm putting into our river systems here is affecting somewhere else in the world yeah and and one of the things that um i don't know if you were if you were privy to it but um some of the some of the locals have been contacting me and saying and, and asked me when when we were when we were going going back just just for the reason that some of the businesses were um starting to take notice of of why why all the kids were there um, while at the same time looking at the at, at all the plastics that they're using, um, and so and so that's that's one of the really cool things is that through that through that student leadership, a lot of the businesses are are, are now starting to question more of, of what their daily practices are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and we, I think that's sorry. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that in our first episode uh, about the impact of changing. A restaurant from drinking out of plastic straws to paper straws. Yeah. Yes, and that's uh, that really is a drive of our school too. People, they kind of joke about our school that we're the we're the like the eco friendly school. Our kids actually, um, one of my science teachers um, who Fred knows pretty well, uh, Mrs. Plain does this, and she has kids create T-shirts. Like one was a, a turtles, not nurdles. Um, and really we were to the point and Mrs. Plain, um, is not doing well as far as her health right now, but our goal, uh, Angie and I had it was eventually we were going to be working with managers of local and chain restaurants in our area to get them to reconsider some of the things they're doing. For example, we have a local supermarket here called Fairway. It's in Iowa and South Dakota and maybe in Minnesota a little bit. Um, we worked with them last year on plastic bags 
well, it turns out now here two months ago, they came out, their, their management group did, uh, their corporate said, we are no longer doing plastic bags. Wow. And they do in paper sacks. So now what, what nice. are we doing? We're grabbing all their paper sacks that we can, and we're writing thank you notes on the sacks so that when people take them out of the store, they're seeing these notes from our kids uh, cool. just saying thank you for not using plastic. That's really That's, cool. That is cool. Yeah, and some of that is just having those conversations, right? So I was just grabbing a coffee in my town last night and noticed that all of their uh, takeout were styrofoam and their coffee cups were styrofoam. And I just yeah. sort of like was thought, oh, man, I wouldn't have ordered a coffee here had I known that it was going to come in styrofoam. But then I was thinking, why don't I use my words and advocate for paper in this op like this opportunity but i didn't but i might go back <laughs> well and you know one of the one of the things that 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 you're doing darren which is really cool is that you're you're providing opportunities for for kids just to just to get their voices heard and i think a lot of us as as adults are at times we're fearful we may be fearful of that for the reason that kids are honest um, and, you know, and I'm thinking that at times we, we really don't want to hear that, hear that honesty. Um, and it's, and it's so much so that, um, what the, the 2019 person, person of, of the year is that, is that young, is that young lady from Norway, Greta, Greta. um, yeah. you know, and it's, and one of the things that I've, that I've heard from friends of mine is they're bashing this girl. Um, you know, and here's this young, young person that, that understands that what we're doing, um, to, to her in, in environment, we're, we're thrashing it, but, she, but she wants to change it. She, you know, she, she wants to bring up awareness and I'm, and I'm hoping that, that through this, many more young, young people will, will have their, have their voices heard. Yes, I agree. So what do you, in terms of education, what would you say is on your bucket list for yourself? Maybe some milestones that you would like to reach. Scuba diving. <laughs> Educationally or personally? Uh, in terms of education, yeah. Um, I think what, because my school has several different pathways. We still have a traditional approach. Um, I just, I just want people to, I want kids to be able to come here and see the best practices that come with voice and choice, that come with them being able to choose their classes and what they need to do. I mean, I just, I want my school wide open to that point and we're, we're not there yet. And that's, that's more of a decision that goes beyond me with a school board and a superintendent, but that's where I would love to be. The other thing I would love is to create a school that um, it's based on, you know, hopefully some deep pockets of entrepreneurs. Um, and what you do is you you take a diverse group of kids and what your learning is based on your travel. So in other words, you're gonna be learning, uh, let's say you're gonna be studying something about scuba, um, but it's related to ocean currents, it's related to science, but you actually get to do that and you get to travel to that place. 
and then incorporating obviously you know the english language arts part of it is easy to incorporate but that's what i would love you know take kids that don't have that opportunity and make them travel the world to not only get their education but they understand what it means to be a global citizen that's great that's really that nice. sounds like a lot of fun yeah so hopefully because one of the um as you know i um, i just got back from new zealand and they're and they and i was telling them telling them about you and about the conference and they're opening their arms to us because they've been doing within their curriculum at at some of the schools that i visited they've they've been doing a lot on navigation um you know looking at the stars and navigating and stuff so that might i'll keep you posted darren sounds good <laughs> Um, so just to, just to finish up, um, are there any questions that we didn't ask you, uh, that, or anything that, anything more that you would wish to share? Well, I'm surprised you didn't ask how cold it is it in South Dakota. Right? <laughs> you know, I was thinking it the whole time and I was like, he's going to think that we're going to ask him that right away. So I'm not That's going right. to. No, I don't, I so, don't want to know. How cold is it in South Dakota? <laughs> yeah. Is it minus yet? Uh, yeah, it will be on Saturday. Oh. Uh, it, it was close to it on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Today was a heat wave. I think we hit oh, close to 30, which actually felt very good. Yeah, I bet it compared did. Compared to what it was. So perfect day for the iceplex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you know what an iceplex is? I do now. You told me. <laughs> awesome. Darren, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Uh, I learned so much about design thinking and the design process, and I can't wait to share it with my students and actually pick up your book and then recommend it to my students as well. Yep. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I wish you both the best with your podcast. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. If you would like to follow Darren, you can find him at D-L-Wine, spelled D. E-L-L-W-E-I-N on both Twitter and Instagram. He also has a website. It's DarrenLwine.com. So D-A-R-R-E-N-E-L-L-W-E-I-N.com. You can also find his book Revolution on Amazon. And he said that he also offers a live looking at his classrooms and his schools at his site. And so you can get in touch with him so you can preview what he has to offer. So again, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or even find us on Facebook, we are EdAx Global, and that is E-D-A-C-T-S Global. And we look forward to hearing from you. And if you have any recommendations for people we should host or interview on our podcast, or perhaps you would like to be interviewed on our podcast, please touch base with us. That is it for today. Go out and make a change in the world.